Welcome to the Bearded Butchers podcast. This week we dive into a little more under the hood with building a niche brand. We've talked a lot about the groundswell, the grassroots, if you will, of getting our brand um, kind of past the the mom and pop and um, to the out of your garage and starting to look at some growing pains that we were experiencing and how we move through some of those growing pains, how um, Spencer had impacted the media and helped accelerate that growth, how Phil had impacted the logistics SEO back engine type stuff and also impacted that growth. So now what do we do with that growth? Um, Seth, what, uh, what experiences were we experiencing what things were we experiencing when we um, saw the growth? And when I say saw the growth, we would we would literally have our um, Shopify app notifying us of orders. I was seeing inventory levels decrease, and this was all fantastic. This was great. This is what you wish for. Yep. Yes, but how 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 was that impacting us? I think there's a couple things. Um, one was just the <clears throat> the cost involved in buying inventory cuz I know that was a big that was a lot of pressure on you because I remember you coming into the office and you'd be like, "Hey, I need I need to do, you know, <clears throat> it started out as 100 pounds and then it was 500 and then it's like, "Well, I need 1000 pounds." Then all of a sudden you're talking making you know, $5,000 inventory buys, or you want to R&D a new product, you're talking $10,000 every time you R&D a new product. So I'd say one of the big challenges was just, you know, making those decisions based on inventory. Um, and then the other thing too, was when we were doing our own uh, fulfillment and shipping was we literally, we, we would come in, in the morning, we would print out the labels on our desk in our office, and then we would uh, pack the orders on our counter in our retail store and as the order volume grew, we found ourselves just getting up earlier and earlier every day to come in and pack orders. So, um, you know, what was 5.30 turned into 4.30, turned into 4. And then I don't know if we were really willing to come in at 3. And I think that's kind of when we changed things. Yeah. But So, yeah, just, you know, making the decisions on inventory buys, um, and then the, the fulfillment and shipping portion, I think were yeah, two big things. We, we were running into some some major hiccups. You mentioned labels and, and paper, but literally the 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 volume was such that we would run out of uh, of the the label stock, or the the printer would literally run out of paper, or the then, USPS uh, shipping uh, the the padded envelopes because we'd have our mother run around all the uh, local s- surrounding yeah and and grab because like Creston would only have like eight of them mm-hmm. and, and i was we, ordering we would them. need like 30 yeah i was ordering them but we you know like i forget what they are 100 in a box or something like that but there was instances where we might do half of those in one day i think and then you know i mentioned the inventory management and the fulfillment and shipping but um probably the the biggest concern that i had um which would be the most important is when uh, I noticed your skin tone change from, you know, your nice reddish white color um, to a, a, a slight shade of gray, grayish green. Well, and I knew that and I saw the bags under your eyes growing. So I knew that I wouldn't uh, have time for a haircut. Right. So we, we were hitting issues with 
with getting orders packaged, but we were also hitting issues with product. So overselling. So remember we would have stacks of paper, like we can't pack, we can't finish this order, or we were completing orders and putting a note in it that said, you know, you're gonna receive the remainder of your order. Um, we were running into issues. And I remember in August of 2020 was our, um, I guess, record-setting month of first, you know, hit some some uh, some major um, numbers that we hadn't experienced before in August of 2020. And we were using a third-party fulfillment. So we had, we had two third parties involved at the time and um, in the sense of, where the product was coming from, some of the product, and how the product was getting out the door. The first was the distributor that we're using, which was between us and the manufacturer. And the second was the um, the actual fulfillment, third-party fulfillment that we had. And um, so we had some third-party involvement, but then um, in in the middle was was the product ordering, the stuff that I was doing. So... I wasn't real well versed on Excel sheets or things like that, but I knew I had to kind of start a tracking system. Um, typically from the manufacturer, spices would take us about three to four weeks to from the time that they ordered till we till they landed. And we were running into trouble with the Victorinox, um, some supply chain issues and stuff like that. But the, the big thing was just kind of my head wasn't quite fitting around it all anymore. Well, the thing is, is how do you project? So when you're trying to scale up a business, how do you, how do you know how much to buy, you know, ahead of the holidays? And mm -hmm. you just, it's better to have too much than not enough because you don't want to oversell and then not have the inventory, but um, making those big inventory buys, it's, it's, it's hard. It's a hard decision to make because you're, you're a growing company. Um, you're putting the profits that you're making back into buying inventory um, so yeah, there's just, and there's, there's always the, will you sell it? What right. if you fall off a cliff or something like that? You what, know, what am I going to do with, um, 10,000 shakers of original blend if, if they don't sell and, yeah. and, and the, and you lose your uh, your shelf life on them. And it was about that time that we got a text message from Daniel Berger. Um, Daniel's sitting with us today. Daniel, uh, was as an interesting backstory in his relationship with the brand, because we first, uh, met Daniel, and he was employed as a butcher along with us in 2011. Um, worked for us for about with us for about 18 months as a butcher. Um, a and I can I can proudly say that um, with confidence that Daniel I feel like and and not speaking of Scott here because he's family. Daniel was the very first non-family member that I trained to butcher that um, allowed me to go on a vacation for a week and he cut for me while I was gone. So uh, very successful, trained very quickly. And as a matter of fact, he just came in um, this spring and on our butchering day and took place of Scott while Scott's wife was in the hospital having a baby. So uh, Dan, however, I'm a little bit bitter about the fact that you're not relieving me as a butcher and you're relieving Scott on inventory, inventory <laughs> buys. But however... We're super thankful to have you in our brand. Yeah, happy to be here. So, we know he's a able-bodied young man. He has the right color of beard, which is a bright, glowing red like mine. With many multi-talented uses in and around our brand. So. Yes. 
So he has the butchering experience and he had some depth with our brand, but he had moved along and he was working elsewhere. And he reached out to us via uh, text message to ask if it would be okay to use us as references um, so he could seek some new employment. And a ding, 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 bell ding. went off <laughs> and I thought, Dan, are you seeking a new employer? Let's have a conversation because a lot has changed since you previously uh, spent time inside our brand. And we revisited and we struck up um, an immediate, I guess, reconnection. Within a, a day or two. Within mm -hmm. a day or two, as we like to do things very, uh, very quickly, shoot from the hip. Um, Dan joined the brand in um, November, October, or November of 20. Talking in November and officially November yes. 2020. I recall re Daniel... Re rejoined with a new role. Yes. Rejoined with a new yes. role, using more of the brain than the brawn this time. Um, and I recall at the time I gave Daniel my... Um, I literally like handed the baton off as I was stumbling. <laughs> off to your elk hunt. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did go on an elk hunt at the... And, and he quickly jumped in so dan tell us a little bit about the early days what we were experiencing then um just kind of of what what uh how you took the reins i guess if you will over the product management and inventory um so the first thing i noticed was that the po system you used was a disaster you mean there wasn't one the random five digit number on every po that it was just came out those of those were fun. I was having a lot of fun with those. Yeah, it's fun. But <laughs> I was using my kids' birthdays and I was about to run out. <laughs> well, get to work. <laughs> That's at number seven I was talking yeah. about last time. Um, yeah, came in right uh, a week before you guys were off for a two week elk hunt. And uh, you said, I think we got this product coming and you had a list and we we're about to run out of this and there's all these orders to fulfill. And it was, it was kind of a panic moment for me like did i do the right thing but we uh <laughs> well and to speak to that a little bit so when you left to pursue other things in two in in um 2012 mm -hmm. and the time that you worked at, under a different employer 2015 you you worked first in, in 20 oh yeah you left in 2015 yeah, 20, oh i'm sorry so, so 2012 through 2015 or something that like sounds that. right yeah let's back i said 18 months you were there three years I was yeah, yeah, almost else. three years. Okay, sorry. Let's 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 go back here just real quick. Daniel um, was was a part of our uh, beard club that we had. <laughs> yes, still is, still is, still here. So, it's a lifetime membership. So Daniel, he was uh, he's been along for the ride since the beginning of the Bearded Butcher brand, like literally since the beginning. I um, remember the first order of seasoning. There you go. So was hundred pounds or one hundred and fifty pounds. <laughs> right. Pack it into shakers, put a sticker on it, yeah. Stick so it out in the storefront. The relationship with Dan <laughs> goes back to the beginning of the Bearded Butchers, with a small absence. Yes, so we're back. Right. Well, to speak speaking to the absence, you gained a skill set that you didn't previously mm. have, mm -hmm. and that was in inventory, product management, kind of right. bulks, but you know, bulk supply over to shaker supply, things like that. So. Tell me a little bit about how that experience played into your role with the brand, the new role with the brand. Uh, yeah, purchasing and, and supplier relations is huge for us. If you if you get the right supplier and you know the process that works with them, it's smooth sailing. And mm -hmm. when you have a supplier that 
doesn't work. Then no communication is huge. Um, it just turns into a nightmare, and you want to pull your hair out. And we've had both the whole spectrum. We well, have, we just we just met with our supplier um, on Monday, and I heard him say he loves to work with Dan because Dan buys pallets. <laughs> so <laughs> I can buy pallets yeah. now. So and, and early on, we um, we I had to make a, a what I would call a tough phone call in late 2020, and um, and that phone call was to let our distributor know that we had um, essentially grown large enough that we no longer needed them as a middleman. 2021. 2021. Yes. You're right. That was in 2021. So not, anyway. Not quite a year ago. Not quite a year ago. Yep. I'm sorry. I got my dates wrong. Dan joined in late 2020. We went a full year with our current distributor mm-hmm. and our ordering system. And it was a tough call because our volume had got to the point where we started looking at, you know, the middleman. I mean, that was the distributor that we had between the manufacturer, aka supplier, and us. And as a result, we made what I would consider the tough decision to, um, to, to, to cut the middleman out for several reasons. Yeah. You know, the, there, there was a cost savings. Some, and that wasn't as big as, uh, as the slowdown and communication when we were trying to add new products or things, inevitably, when you have to go through two people to communicate what you yep. want back and forth, the whole process gets delayed. Stuff would fall off the desk. Yeah. Um, so when you joined the brand, how many products did we did we have? We had six shaker flavors and the two sauces and apparel and everything. But mm-hmm. yeah, six, six flavors of seasoning. Um, so we've added for additional flavors of seasoning correct um working through i guess what i would consider pretty rapid growth historical data doesn't really do you a whole (laughs) lot of good um what what have you learned regarding product inventory buying and i know you said this and perhaps this is best that the person that's married to the finances isn't the person that's placing the purchase button or clicking the purchase button because you told me early on that you almost have to do your buying with disregard for how the product is actually impacting um you know what's what's in the 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 sales invoice column yeah it's not about what it's what it costs it's about what's needed right and the projection run out of product that costs you more than sitting on a little extra product to mm-hmm. a, to a point, mm-hmm. you know. So running out's detrimental. You lose those sales and they're probably gone. But when you can so keep full. Speaking of that for a minute, how do you handle the fact that Scott and I sort of sometimes jump up and down and wave our arms about products that are that are out of your control? Uh, just take it with some grace. <laughs> we pre- I, that's I've why known we get you guys a while. So long. I know if they're upset today, he, we'll hug tomorrow. When he gets <sighs> that text message at, you know, five in the morning about something that sold out on the website and then he's just like, there's nothing I can do about it. The supplier, I just, I can't get it. So, so you mentioned he's taking it from both ends. Well, <laughs> and what we would consider, you know, the global pandemic and the disruption of supply chain and things that we battled through. So mm-hmm. what would you, um, what what's some of the thought process that goes into your your timeline? So help us understand just based on a like a volume. Mm-hmm. Um, 
whether it's a shaker or a specific flavor, and then what happens if we add a flavor? What's some of the process that you go through for a um, a reorder of something? Mm-hmm. You know, obviously you have um, some data that you'll research historically. You know, what about the seasonality of it? What goes into your thought process for placing orders? What makes you pull the trigger? Seasonality is big because we hit um, lulls after the first of the year, after the holiday season. We know that's going to happen, mm-hmm. but we know that going in September, October, coming up, it's it's going to take off. The last few years, it's done that, and and we can just see it. Uh, so that at scale is what you have to pay attention to. I think more than just what you sold last month. So if I look at last month and next month, we have to compare that to last year's last month and next month to see where we're at and kind of a, a, a percentage or ratio growth that way is how I project it. So what, what about when it comes to like R and D of a new flavor? So like, for instance, zesty lime, mm-hmm. we come out that, which that was your baby. You, you pretty much took that one all the way to the end yeah, zone. I like that one. Great job, by the way. Um, but you can't compare it to something like the original or the black or some of our, some of our previous flavors. So how mm. do you make the decision um, on that first initial buy, uh, what investment to make on a new product? Um, I kind of took the, the upper end and the lower end of the different flavors and split it in the middle, just not knowing where we'd end up and kind of guessed, like Scott likes to say, the swag, the swag Scientific guess. wild ass guess. And uh, with our inventory, it has a two-year shelf life. Um, typically, when when's it all going out the door to the consumer? Uh, at what point in that shelf life do we try to, you know, get it out the door? Uh, we like to within six months. You know, if I if I order and I can have a three four month supply, that's good. Mm-hmm. If we can turn it turn product three or four times a year, uh, I like to see that number. Higher's better, but then you got a lot higher chance of runouts. So having a, a cushion there's helpful and just so the audience understands um how how many shakers are we talking about per per year that you're that you're just just shakers of seasoning i'm not talking about the thermometers and the apparel and the gloves and all the other stuff but how many shakers a year are you managing um 10 flavors and then you also have to manage the shelf life etc um but just the the big number typically uh, sitting at the warehouse now is probably between sixty and seventy thousand, and we'll we should move around two hundred thousand this year, which is which is a lot to keep your head wrapped. A lot around. of units. So I want to yeah. I want to ask you about that. So um, software, mm-hmm. um, a lot of software available out there. Yes. Um, how much does software impact what you're doing? How much of it is done by running a you know say a Microsoft Excel sheet? Is there a marriage of the two? Is there anything that you go to as, you know, I couldn't live without type scenario? Uh, Excel, for sure. Um, That, the way you can manipulate data, uh, hundreds and thousands of lines if you want, and and the calculations, that's how I project stuff. That's how I pull sales reports and on hand and and evaluate. So that is very useful. Couldn't do without Excel is what you're saying. Now, um, there's probably software um, inventory management software that, that we don't utilize that can do all that in reports, but I've learned how to do it by myself. It works and, for you. And it works for me. So with what uh, what we have, our, our back-end Shopify slash BigCommerce and um, SKU Vault, we use those in partnership 
to fulfill and to manage inventory and sales. But uh, yeah, the analytics part is is all Excel for me because that's where I'm comfy with. How much do you rely on physical counts? Do you have um, a system in place with the warehouse management where you bounce questions to them? What about specific products that we have to, um, you know, part and parcel ourselves? What about some of the uh, the intangibles, the the things that that you don't um, necessarily just have a, a a pallet of shakers coming in, break it down, goes out the door. Mm -hmm. um, can you, you speak a little bit to that to that system or those products? Are you talking like uh, things we don't inventory necessarily? Well, yeah, like um, we're doing more of your um, bulk to smaller ratio type stuff. Um, you just kind of a little bit willy nilly with that type stuff or. Everything we sell uh, has an on-hand quantity all the time, and you can rely on that so well as your software is working, and we've kind of had to dial that in over summer as we switched out software. Um, but we've gotten to the point where I can really trust that, so I, I don't have to be at the warehouse every day checking to look at everything and make sure, do I need to order this, do I need mm -hmm. to order that? I can look and see where everything's at and set thresholds. Are you looking forward to... Um any new systems or procedures that can be implemented? What What's your horizon look like just regarding the product, um, this potential move into a new headquarters? Um, what What part of the job do you think um, can be refined or improved on? I like the idea of having our warehouse right next to the retail store. What? Let me pause you there. Yep. Um, Dealing with the White Feather retail store, uh, which ironically Seth and I spend a lot of time in, and we sort of have the, um, you know, hand in the cookie jar approach, if you will. Sticky fingers. You or your kids. <laughs> that too. Well, without, without actually taking it, the product out of inventory. Are you, are you implying that when you can keep an eye on us, it'll be a little bit easier to know exactly <laughs> what left uh, the warehouse to go to White Feather? Yeah. Uh. No, not so much. More, yeah. uh, more that we move product from our warehouse to mm -hmm. the retail store all the time, uh, every week, sometimes multiple times a week, depending what's needed. But that's mainly because there's no room at the retail to house inventory. Yeah. So we couldn't put three pallets of product in, and so that limits what we can house, which means we got to move a lot uh, frequently from the warehouse. Mm -hmm. So when it's across the street... It'll be real easy to drive a tow motor over and grab what you need. Just walk across and get a box. Yep, yep. So I'm looking I forward to that. I won't have to go as far to steal my apparel next time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or as late at night. Right. Yeah. So that, that'll be nice to have everything kind of in one location. Um, and it, it'll be less, less keeping an eye on one more place inventory. That's all good stuff. So thinking back to 10 years ago, 10 plus years ago, mm -hmm. you know, none of us could have um, anticipated this role that you play in the in the brand. Right. Um, I think your butchering knowledge is unique in the sense that you've been able to draw on that for mm -hmm. the products, mm -hmm. product innovation. And then, you know, what we're getting into with the DIY stuff, I think, has been really important. Um, yeah. Just your your knowledge of 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 how spice is um, it it's in 
how it works with different products related to meat, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So definitely butchering and spice are in concert with each other. So I think that's one thing that um, you bring to the table and then just uh, joined with your um, experience that you picked up while abroad Mm -hmm. um, regarding regarding inventory uh, management products, product procurement, that sort of thing. I feel like we're in a real good spot for, uh, you know, the the position that we're in now the the growth you know that we we would hopefully you know wholesale something that um is a little different than than the retail you might you yeah. might have a whole pallet or two or a truckload go out all of a sudden and those sure. are those like are those. things that are yeah those are things that that have to be considered obviously with shipping yeah both inbound and outbound changes have been you know as, as we see um you know, disruption in, in supply chains and stuff like that. There's definitely stuff that, yeah. that we have to, you know, roll with the, with the punches, if you will. So, yeah. Yeah. Another thing, managing what's on hand, you can, you can rely on your retail sales that have, okay, 50 shakers mm-hmm. a day, hundred shakers a day. But when you get a wholesale order that needs 3000, that takes a big chunk sure. out of what you're on hand is. Yeah. And then it's a month to replace it. So you don't want to turn down a sale, but then, then you're maybe out of product for a couple of weeks. Yeah. So it's balanced there. And it is balanced. And we, I think we've done a good job, pretty good job up to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, just yeah. making sure everybody has some of this wonderful bearded butcher blend seasoning <laughs> in their hands. Mm-hmm. And how do you um, feel about the guy that we put in charge? Um, that's the head of the warehouse. <clears throat> oh, couldn't get a better hair color. I know is the redheads. It's another redhead. So that's where we want to turn to next. Mm-hmm. Um, Daniel, do you have any more that you want to add? Um, don't underestimate email. Don't underestimate email. Email, it, it's been around forever, but I manage a lot of what I do through email with purchase orders, talking with suppliers. I, I wanted to note that just because it keeps me organized. I can search yeah, numbers it's, and it's products. A and paper trail, if you will. If you are trying to call to place all your orders, that gets lost. Yes. If you try to text, you might be able to find it, might not. But when you email, it's it's there. Yep. So managing out of that um, is huge too. So I like that, and uh, yeah, don't underestimate it. Utilize okay. it. Daniel once told me that you can um, numbers don't lie, but you can lie with numbers mm. too. So mm-hmm. um, thankful he keeps a solid track of our of our inventory. Um, I don't think it's something that I would um, I would be able to do anywhere near the level you do. Perhaps would be pushing daisies now if i had to <laughs> i know for a fact i could in the volume when it comes to numbers my brain starts to hurt so i'll keep up with the butchering leave the numbers to you mm-hmm. you're doing a fantastic job we You're appreciate good. it. Thank you. Yes. Keep up the good work. All right. And then for the next segment, we want to bring in Chad because Chad is the warehouse manager. He's the boots on the ground, if you will. And he makes sure that every bit of this spice winds up going to the places that it needs to go to. So so if you call our warehouse and Chad picks up the phone. Make sure you spend at least three hours on the phone with him. If you want to have a better today. You want to have a conversation about what's going on in the world. Compliment him on his hair color. Talk to Chad. Mm-hmm. Welcome, Chad. Thank you, thank you. Welcome, Chad. We now have Chad Ramsire joining us in the podcast studio. We are talking about everything that's related to getting our wonderful Bearder Butcher Blend spice into the recipient's hands. So we talked about the product 
development, procurement, a lot of the stuff that gets it landed in the warehouse, what happens once it gets in the warehouse? Chad, did you ever think you would be in the spice managing business? No. 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 So Chad joined us when we were in a really rough patch of the very thing that he does a wonderful job at, which was getting customers their product. Um, Chad joined us when we were with a third-party 3PL, and that third-party 3PL was delivering to our customers empty boxes. Chad, have you ever uh, assembled and uh, a, what would essentially be the display box for a pack of seasonings and sent it empty in a box? No, I don't no, think we have. I no, I don't think you have either because we'd have probably heard about it. So <laughs> uh, Chad made an immediate improvement because he used his large brain to not send people empty boxes. But that's when Chad joined the brand. We were with a third-party 3PL, and we taxed Chad with basically the burden of dealing with the software that we were um, – forced to deal with because it was we were under contract so we were able to physically leave our third-party 3pl and move our inventory to a new warehouse per our contract beautiful warehouse i mean the floors were shiny and new <laughs> the, the did, it, did the, it come with a basketball the, hoop or the, did you put that the, up that was added that was added the um the <laughs> lights were bright and shiny no it heat. had coffee um you know just piped into the to the wall you could go get a hot cup of coffee none of this is true it was <laughs> just pretty much a barn um and to phil's credit he had located and, and he and he literally left his family's christmas um party to go sign the lease for this this new um uh, warehouse we'll call it a warehouse for the lack of a better term or barn just sounds too too uh too rough but we were able to physically transfer our inventory um, from the 3PL to our our new digs, and tell me a little bit about those early days, Chad, because uh, that that move happened in February of 2020, or excuse me, 2021, correct? Yeah, yeah, it was 2021. So I kind of like go through the story a little bit because I think it's interesting, but. So Phil, at one point, he, um, backstory, he and I are brother-in-laws, so there's this dynamic too, but mm -hmm. he, and, he wanted to talk to me about something, uh, he said a job opportunity, and so I went over to his house, um, my wife and I, and we uh, had this conversation, and I left under it, like, it was a pretty cool conversation, I thought, and then, uh, so we were going to go check out this place, right, and so I thought there were like two different things and I was under the impression that we were going to one thing and not the other. So I was under the impression we were going to this place in Lodi, Lodi Ohio, which is probably a half hour away okay. from where Worcester is. But then we started driving and we're like, we're going to Worcester in this warehouse. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like talking to Shane. I'm like, what is going on? Where are we going? So we got there. And then I feel like after we got there, then we had another conversation and then that's where like this whole warehousing thing came up. And at the time I was on like a wait list for radiology school. And so I was kind of balancing that like, all right, here's this opportunity I have. Do I want to go to school whenever this comes up? But then I was like, well, let's just give it a try. So 
we uh we went for it with this warehouse and then um Austin and I went and looked at the 3PL. We we went and toured their facility just to like to kind of get a grip of what we were getting into. Sure. I had no idea of mm-hmm. any sort of I Yeah, you you had no background in warehouse management, shipping any well, of, even any with of our brand, you yeah. really didn't have much. No, I no. didn't know you guys. Yeah. yeah. I had never met you at that time, I don't think. And then after we had went to um the 3PL, it just seemed like a pretty cool thing and we just we got going, I guess. Well, we got going, but I think you guys were um, very cold in those early days because <laughs> yeah. the warehouse really didn't have. There's a lot of layering. A lot of layering. Um, Phil had he did fix up a, a. And the warehouse is better now. I'll just say yeah. that. Yeah, it's awesome. We love it. Yeah, um, when the climate's right. Mm-hmm. A little rough when it's extremes. The the heat of the summer, the the cold of the winter. Um, Phil and you guys pretty quickly took ownership of the um the responsibility if you will and and we're better for it so you you came you came into the brand um you know just similar to dan in the sense where you probably never saw yourself doing this type of work he had worked with us never saw that being the the role but you you know you found yourself in this role um and you know, early on, we felt a sense of relief, Seth and I did, um, because we were under such pressure when we were with the 3PL and our customer service was um, essentially ourselves. Well, there was pressure from when we when we were shipping the product ourselves, too. Well, I, and I, yes, you're right. And, and, and so we, we were terrified, I'll say terrified, we did not necessarily want to pull that back in house and be responsible for doing the packages again ourselves. Well, we, we had felt like many it other would, things to do. Yeah, we felt like it would uh, keep us from from growing our, our business because we'd be so worried about how we're going to get the work done that we wouldn't want to try to promote sales. Sure. So it was just it was just a huge um, distraction for us. Um, so Which I have a, I have a real quick question. Do you think that um, consumers when they when they shop online, how much thought do you think that goes into how the product actually arrives at their house. Because like these Chad and the warehouse crew, like these are the real MVPs because, you know, Scott and I, we're doing the social media stuff. We're selling the product. We're cooking with it. We're doing all that. Daniel's handling the, you know, handling the inventory. Phil's doing the SEO. Spencer's doing all the uh, uh, videoing and the editing and stuff. But like somebody has to go into work. Somebody has to take this product off the shelves, put it in a box send it off to the carrier so that it arrives at your house. Like I just, I'm just curious because most people just go on Amazon. They click, 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 click day or two later, it's sitting on their porch, but like somebody's physically doing that. So um, I don't know if people acknowledge that much, but I would like to take the opportunity to thank Chad because one thing Scott talks about, you know, the stress that we had in, in packaging and shipping the products ourselves. And then the third party that we hired um, didn't work out as we had planned. But now um, we see the orders come through, um, you know, through uh, on our phones and it, you know, we see them at the end of the day and then the following day they're gone. So like, we appreciate the fact that we, and, and we're completely hands off and you're doing a great job there. Well, I appreciate that. But yeah. And to your question, I think, I think it does matter. Like for me anyway, looking at it from, um, like being in warehousing, 
if like I see you guys like repost a picture of someone opening their box, you know, I get a little little sense of like nervousness. Like, mm-hmm. oh man, I hope that there is like still a packing bubble in there that's still intact, you know, because I I think we take we take pride in like I want that that shaker to get there not damaged. I don't want mm-hmm. the seal to be broken from when uh, somebody tossed it or something like that. So I I think it does matter um, for some people, but. I, However, for others, I would say, I mean, they don't care how they get it. Just like, as long as they get it. Right. Well, speak a little right. bit about your frustrations with, and you don't have to mention any carriers' names, but, um, you know, the, you talk about the time and the pride that you put into packaging a box, but um, when that product isn't handled properly, uh, speak a little bit to that, just with the different carriers that, you, that you've used. Yeah, uh, we've gotten rid of some for that reason. I would say um, we pretty much use two specifically, but yeah, it can be annoying. Uh, probably the worst thing is like creating the claim for it, you know, mm-hmm. taking that time to um, address a claim for something that you think that you sent out correctly and then somebody just abused it and threw it or something like that. But it, it doesn't happen super often anymore with, with who we use. So we're really glad for that. And then dealing with the customer on the other end that's mad because they got a product that's damaged. So. Yeah, I got their product or didn't get their product. Yep. Um, and I'll co-sign what Seth said. We really are appreciative because I told Phil this early on, you know, I feel like a fool if we dance around on camera and talk about all of our wonderful products and, hey, you should buy these from us. And then somebody, you know, we get them to convert and they, they um, and they are wonderful products, but they aren't wonderful if they don't arrive. So, you know, I always talked about that being the, you know, you get first chance and, you know, only one chance to make first impression whatever that 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 box opening like you mentioned like that tells people about our company um and and i'll and i'll you know full transparency in the early days i remember i i got, I got completely chewed out because we sent um one of our sharpening steels and um it went in a, a bubble wrap mailer and it came to the uh, recipient with the sharpening steel sticking through the side of the thing furious told me what you know sham blah 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 blah. and and i won the customer by you know of course groveling but to that end if we do all this stuff and it gets to that last step where it literally lands on their front porch um that's that impression i think they get of us so um definitely co-sign a second what seth said about the wonderful job that you guys get um getting the product to the customer but the the early days you were pretty much forced to use the 3PL software, whether you liked it or not. And we've been through some growing pains with software. So you have the, the tangibles, the physical part of your job where you're literally putting, you know, getting, picking all this product from the warehouse, putting it in boxes, mailers, whatever, getting it out the door. Um, Tell me a little bit about the intangibles or the the softwares that you you know whether it's our e-commerce platform, um, what information that feeds you. How do you get your orders um, picked properly? Are you using a scanning method? Are you? And you're a, are you, you're welcome to speak by name because you know, I feel like our audience is going to want to know like what what has worked for you, what hasn't worked for you, what would you use, etc. So you're. Yeah, the we're whole not, idea we're not here sponsored is that we by want, anything. So yeah, we want yeah. people to know when they go out to choose something. You know, are they waste? Because we we have situations now. And we talked about this last week. You know, if a software, you know, a vendor might tell you that it's twenty thousand dollars for their product, um, and it'll work. And we've had um, we have some bundle items where customers can pick certain 
flavors and and that makes up a, a bundle um <clears throat> just tell us a little bit about the trade-offs have you found a solution is there a true solution um, is the solution that you just literally print out a piece of paper and check it off yourself? Because that's another important thing. Not only does the customer get their order um, in a timely manner, but is it correct? Do they have the items that they ordered? Um, that'll that'll tick people off too if they don't they don't get actually what they ordered. They feel like you stole from them. <laughs> right. Yeah. So tell right. us a little bit about that. Yeah. So my base three tabs I have open on my well four, but tabs I have on my computer are. First, email, and then um, a software called Shipping Easy, um, then SKU Vault, which Dan talked a little bit about, is kind of our inventory management, and then Big Commerce, which is the retail store. Mm -hmm. And I really like how, how we have it right now and how our um, process works. So basically, SKU Vault has our packing slips. And then, so we print out 50 packing slips at a time, and then Shipping Easy has our shipping labels. And we print out, we, you, you have to line those up and then you print 50 out at a time. And then we go through each one, uh, mark up the packing slip, order um, the shakers and order how you're going to have them set on your um, table whenever you're packing. And then uh, you basically you get this pick list that has everything for your 50 orders. You go out to the warehouse, grab it, bring it in, pack it up correctly um, and go from there. And so on each of the packing slips, there's a um, uh, a barcode, and you scan the barcode, and that automatically takes out the inventory. So at at the pack, we're not utilizing scanning for each product, just because it it really slows you down, and our mistake level isn't high enough. We've or I think anyway, for us to um, be scanning each item. If it's above zero, then it's high enough. I'm well, however, yeah. I, will say, I would agree and, with and that. No, we've said this before. We've Very said we, we would not expect like, yep. uh, a 0.00 just based on volume. So tell me, when you come into the warehouse, what's a, and, and I don't want to sound like, like you know, because I would assume you'd be excited to see 4,000 orders, but like what, what's a, you know, number that is, okay, we've got an eight-hour day ahead of us. We'll pack, you know, we'll pack these easily today um as we get you know look even looking back at our previous holiday season what buries you um and then what are some of the drawbacks or the hiccups you get into i know for me one of them was when we have incomplete shipping addresses submitted by the customer those can take um those can take a lot of time on your day and we'll, we'll get to more about how your how your time gets um perhaps stolen from you but i'm just wondering what's your um what's your order volume Typically, what's what, how many do you get out? And of course, you have to get Amazon out, oh, pretty much first, right? Because otherwise, we'll get dinged or so. Uh, no, not necessarily because we're not prime on okay. all of our items. So I do have like a, I try to get those out, but we have to do them completely separately from um, the retail side of things. Seth has something to say. So on Big Commerce right now, it's saying that we have nearly thirty-seven thousand orders for the year that have gone out. Um, but that doesn't include Amazon and wholesale. So, I mean, we're talking about, that's a lot of orders. That, that might actually fill, for. is that data pulled in from years prior? It's not that many for a year. Sorry, Seth, I already did the math on no, that. No, you're good. Um, it, it, I think our order volume averages like 60 to 70 a day. Does that sound about right, Chad? Yeah. I'd this time so. of year. Yeah. yeah, and that's yeah. average. So we yeah. might see, you know, 30 or 40 in, in, in our down cycle. 
and then mm -hmm. we might see triple that. So like 150 orders, can you pack that many in a day? Yeah, yeah. That's not how many people. Uh, uh, well, we have uh, three guys. Two of us are full time, and then um, one other. Uh, Zach and Austin, shout out. They wanted me to say something about <laughs> what's up, Zach and Austin, <laughs> another <laughs> set of brothers. Yeah, my first cousin. So we. Wait, so, I didn't know they were cousins too. To me? Yeah. Yeah. yeah oh, that's cousins. awesome. Man. We're learning something. Yeah, on this we have podcast. a lot of fun over there. And I didn't <laughs> mention that um, Dan is kind of related by marriage through our older brother Sean Spencer's sister. This is Wayne County, is, Ohio. Yeah. Spencer, yeah, everybody's sister, related somehow. Uh, so Sean's daughter Stephanie Spencer's older brother is married to Dan's brother. So yeah, cousins, brother-in-laws. It's a pretty close-knit community. But anyway, Chad and or Chad, Zach, Austin. Um, and then maybe a little Myron bit. Too. Myron too. Myron, Myron puts these week. packages in there, and then we saw um, we sent some white feather uh, girls down last um, year during the holiday rush. Yeah, yeah. And I think that'll help with us having the headquarters across the street. Mm -hmm. Of course, there's a whole crop of kids. Didn't your nephews yeah, come he in? Came. Nephew or something? Nephews Phil's nephews. We were we kind of added some temp help, if you will, but it sounds like a lot of it just boils down to, um, you know, mind, you know, crossing your T's, dotting your I's. The software is uh, is definitely something to help you with, and this is what we got in with three PL was they literally had people that if it didn't scan and it wasn't on their thing to scan, they didn't put it in a box. So that's when they were shipping the empty display boxes because the software didn't tell them to, which in principle sounds right, but when when you actually carry it out. Um, you have to be um, connected to what you're doing. Look at the label, look at the sheet, check it off, um, and put these orders out the door. So um, in terms of bringing the order from the warehouse, getting it in a package, going to the courier, goes out the door. Um, tell us a little bit about what happens once that package gets into you know fly a little birdie fly on home and it's out there um how many packages do you get that would you would say you know are, are lost stolen and you have to make a claim on it's it's a pretty small percentage isn't it yeah right now it's pretty small it, it always picks up obviously when your vo order volume skyrockets but i don't know right now four to five a week maybe that mm -hmm. we have that you um, try to chase them down. Yeah, I'm looking for, and a lot of times, like during this time, UPS. I'll just use them as an example. They they will find your package, you know, at, at this point in time, like because they're not just. They're gonna care about your package more mm -hmm. than they would if there's a thousand going out a day from you. Sure. Which, what about? And I would like to make a real quick comment. If you're a customer of ours and you do have an experience where you don't get your package. Um, please email customer service at beardbutchers.com. Don't make a public comment on social media saying, where the heck's my package from six months ago? Yeah, that you literally yeah, happened. I Ubers, second that. Because it's like, just email us, customer service at beardbutchers.com, because there's a real good chance that we will get that, Chad will get that package to you within about two to three days of when we find out that you didn't get it. Yeah, so I'm going to see it the day after it was emailed. Yep. Please Social media mm -hmm. comments are not the place to complain about shipping. Well, and I want to talk a little bit about that. So when we were having, um, before you joined the brand, when we were shipping packages even out of our store or out of our 3PL, um, folks that needed to let us know how wonderful we weren't were using our White Feather Meats retail 
as a hotline for customer service, um, which I guess is fine. I mean, you know, we I always say this too. you know, whenever we we take somebody's money, I think we have an obligation to them then to fulfill the um, the end of the bargain, which is to get them the product. And we have what I would consider a very high customer satisfaction rate. Now, I'd say that tongue in cheek, maybe because um, and I've said this a lot, being in the food business, we deal with taste buds. And I think taste buds are a very intimate uh, relationship, obviously, with the person that owns the taste buds. So like what I'm talking about here is when you put something in your mouth, you, you have to like it or else you're going to let somebody know about it. We've said this about every bite of bratwurst that we make. We might make four miles of bratwurst in a week and then all of a sudden every single chew had better be good. Um, with the spice, you know, generally speaking, I think we have very good customer satisfaction, a lot of positive. Um, you do really get, you get it. the occasional too much salt, not enough right. salt. Um, but yeah, we figure if it's like an audience where, where, some, where half the audience has their coats on and half have their coats off, then we're just going to leave it right where it's yeah, at. Yeah, don't so. change the temperature um, setting on the thermostat. Yep. Um, so, and, and, and by far and large, we hear from more people that are, that are in love with the product than we do the people that are not in love with it. But we always say if, if it's too salty, use less. If it's not salty enough, use more. But anyway, calls, emails, people that reach out to you, fans. What, um, what percentage of your day do you think you spend um, troubleshooting analyzing otherwise uh damage control putting out fires whatever and also um, what's the wildest story you've yeah ever heard? tell us some about your unique experience centered around customer service and how you deal with that all right so i was thinking about this <laughs> i've been thinking about this since phil told me i was going to be on this but um for the story first i think probably a guy called and uh, he wanted to he wanted to tell me about these aliens eating humans. Oh my! Were they <laughs> using beer to butcher blend spice for which? The... Which flavor did they use on their on their oh, I don't, the humans? I, I don't. He didn't want to talk about that. He just wanted to talk about aliens. So and then he. Uh, so I was like, "All right, dude. Well, um, this is this is really interesting." <laughs> so I, I tried to listen to him and like heard him out, and then he kept talking. So like, I did as best as I could to be nice about it, and. Uh, I like ended the conversation. He was cool with it too. And then I, we got a text from that number, and uh, it was like this like horrific website of pictures of supposedly aliens eating humans, cows. Like there oh were, my. it was, it was crazy. Was Keep it like up. a sales pitch? Was Keep it? Up did he night. need help like butchering or something? No, I think no. he just wanted to spread the knowledge. Yeah, he wanted to spread the knowledge. Wild. <laughs> well, but yeah, that was a. We probably didn't help at all with our whole. Yeah, it was. Um, I wasn't going to say anything, thing. but it was right after that. Yeah, yeah of course that's why it was. He saw it. He's yeah. like, "Hey, these guys are on my side. They're I'm going to tell they're them." They're my people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but to your question about percentage of my day, uh, I would quite a bit of it is um, on the computer, checking on orders, um, taking phone calls, like you said. Um, we get a lot. I mean, I, I, I do refer. How many a day? I do probably refer a ton of people here um, for questions that I just sure. How many how many calls a day? Uh, right now, I would say 10, 15. And if um, each one of those lasts five minutes, that's yeah. that's a it's a good hour out of your day. Assuming right. you get a lot of butchering related questions, people want to know, you know, what temperature to hang their deer at, and yeah, what then humidity then and, I try to just refer them back to videos. Yeah, we have if, a video for that. We right, have a video for that. Right, right. And I I like to 
because a lot of times they will have watched it, but you know, if you can refer them back to it again or refer them back to a different one, it'll make them happy. Yeah. Same. Anybody ever call and ask to speak with one of us? All the time. Yeah. yeah. Daily. Directly. I just, you just give him Seth's cell phone number. <laughs> That's uh, 330. <laughs> um, funny, funny guy. So one of the things that I think we want to um, let our audience know, we've talked a lot about this niche brand, the the unicorn that we have, if you will, and by the grace of God, we've got it scaled to the point that we're at, not without a lot of growing pains, a lot of moving parts, a lot of fantastic team members. Well, that's what I want to get out. We have. We were now- told. We were told by um, the gentleman um, at our distributor manufacturer that our brand is pretty much like a unicorn because he said that things like this aren't supposed to happen, you know, sort of out of the garage brand to go global like this. So, um, no, I wanted to ask you about international. Yes. Sorry, Seth, international shipping. Um, are we just finding that harder and harder to, to accomplish since 2020? Is it, are we still doing a fair amount of it? What, what, what's different about international versus, um, domestic um well i would say cost obviously yeah cost obviously shipping cost um but lately in the past couple months it's been a lot better than it was you know i think it had that rough that rough time when we were really in the thick of it but then i think we've kind of came out of it and i don't get near as many um emails from customer service about someone that didn't get their package or a lot of times like it'll be sitting in some warehouse in chicago waiting to go to Australia like we had a big problem with that for a while where you know we were never told or it was not public knowledge for a long time well it probably was but you you really had to die for it that um, the post office stopped shipping things to Australia so we had just stopped right with no warning just sat right so they were in this like Chicago warehouse for a long long time and we we did what we could to try to get them back but a lot of those packages we resent to um resent with UPS so I, it probably wasn't, I don't know how many it was till we realized what was happening, but it didn't yeah. go, it didn't go too long, which I was think, thankfully. Yes. I think one of the big things is we talk about um, the team members, the logistics, the systems that we have in place and the costs that, that you incur along the way. And then the costs that you're forced to absorb, because we talk about, you know, our product, um, reaching the customer, and we, we learned that that can be um, seamless at times. And then at times you have to reship, do that sort of thing. Um, when we launched our brand, and I kind of scared people in the first podcast by saying, you know, don't, don't dive into this. It's, you know, if we had to go all the way back to the beginning, would we um, want to go through all those growing pains? I think what we have an opportunity for is the... Um, the up and coming brand that would like to have a spice product that is similar to ours brought to market. Um, God willing, when we get into our headquarters or even beginning now, because we have these systems in place, we are ready to bring um, some of these brands and shorten that curve. So the idea is that um, if you reach out to us, Phil, what are we using for that? Partners at Bearded Butchers or? They can just email me directly, Phil at. Phil at BeardedButchers.com. Um, we're, we're setting up this uh, shortened 
learning curve, if you will, and expense curve, really, all said and done. Because when we had Dan on the show, we talked about a new product, bringing a new product to market. And essentially, that's what it would be. So we brought a product to market, and we get it in the deliverable form to the to the to the consumer, the direct consumer. But along the way, you have um, obviously the marketing. The the so that was the sort of the launch pedal that we have. You know, we wouldn't we wouldn't offer so much the marketing because that's that's our um, that's our IP. But the um, the idea is that if you have a product that you want to market we will absolutely help you bring that product to market. So the, the areas that we had trouble with from the early beginning, which were, you know, the, the labels, the UPC codes, the graphics design of our labels, um, the shaker sizes, the shaker fill, the actual spice itself, the, 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 the blends that we use, um, we really want to get this, system behind some other brands um we feel like if you had to launch from the the grassroots or from from the the square one that we did um saying it's a unicorn saying by god's grace that we got here we feel like um we can help other brands get a product to market much easier than we did so as such we are opening up our spice fulfillment category which means you can get a spice formulated. You can get a label made. You can get a UPC code. You can even get an e-commerce platform um, where we've had experience with Shopify, with big commerce. And then you can get that product fulfilled. So warehoused, fulfilled, and delivered to could a customer. You, could you could you even imagine the cost savings that we would have had if oh. we'd have had that option? Well, not, and just yeah, the, and the, and not, not the, only the cost the savings, but finding the talent embedded right. that, that we now have embedded in our brand mm-hmm. to pull that team together i don't think i don't know if we could do it twice i'm so right. thankful for uh you know starting from the beginning you know partner and seth obviously and um then you know looking at and, and there's many things just parents and, and and all that stuff and having a an authenticity of the brand foundation et cetera, et cetera. spencer phil dan chad whole bunch of other people along the way but these are all part of our um you know of the fold now so we know that from experience our own experience we have a brand that that we can get a tangible product to the customer that is highly consumable highly enjoyable and that's something that we're we're ready to offer as a as a um as a product that's the next phase Mm -hmm. for us um so we would encourage you if you're listening and you have something like this in mind Contact Phil at beardofbutchers.com. He'll walk you through, or at least talk to you about the costs um, to, to, to get that initiated. Um, does not have to be seasoning. Um, we can talk about different white label products that you might have in mind. Um, if you have a product and you need it actually warehoused and fulfilled, um, that's the idea. We it have the system. from candles to popcorn probably to, not explosives nope. no fireworks no dynamite no no live animals am, ammunition no um, not that we're you know we are big fans we just don't want to ship no, it so and dead animals i think we should talk a little bit about dead animals um that's kind of the business that we're in is um everybody's been wanting to know when we'll ship meat um we are just starting experience tip tip or dough or tip or dough dip our toe in the pool 
for time temperature. We're going to start with the DIY products, which are how you can make your own jerkies, your own bratwurst, your own summer sausage using blends that we have in-house from our white feather brand. So we've long been um, formulating, developing bratwurst and other seasonings for the last 30 years that we use and we sell through our meat cases and white feathers. So we're going to open those up to um, sell online so you can get these products delivered to your door and just the idea is you just add protein. So you hunt the forest, you hunt the supermarket, and you get the protein needed to combine with the spices and stuff in the casings and smoke or do whatever you're going to do. And then you hunt the freezer. Then you hunt the freezer. You hunt so the grill. A, yep. um, but the shipping meat, you know, down the road, perhaps, uh, we do know that given some of Chad's experience with things sitting in warehouses and moving slowly and stuff like that, that these these are... Um, that, that will be one that we'll have to be good and ready for when we get into shipping meat. Not saying it's out of the question. It's not something we offer yet. But that's just some of you know what we see happening with the development of the brand. Now that we have a funnel built, we can throw your product into the funnel because it's already there. It's well-established. We've got all the systems in place. And with the move to the headquarters, which what are some of the things that you're anticipating? I know that the warehouse, whether you know it was – at first, initially, someplace that you didn't, you know, you, you maybe froze in. It's gotten better now. You probably have a good system in place. It's not too far from your home. Hmm. Um, it's got well, a basketball hoop. There's, there's, there's something that you don't have. Because I know you have the basketball hoop, but you don't have a shower. So would you believe it that we're actually thinking yeah. about putting a shower in the new headquarters? Yes. Where I you come in, you play basketball, you work, you can take a shower, you can head off to a baseball game, a basketball game, out to dinner with your wife. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. I mean, bring it on. What What are you looking forward to the most in the new headquarters? Just the fact that everybody will be together and we'll be eyes on the boat? Yeah, I think that'll be nice. Um, do you, I don't know. Do you ever feel like you're kind of down there in no man's land and the bearded butchers don't really care about me? I'm just down here filling their orders for them? No, because... In a sense, I kind of like want it to be that way. Yeah, if we don't have to rattle your cage, so, then... so when you're in the headquarters, is, is it going to be a little bit like Dad's home? <laughs> I don't know. I guess that'll be up to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I'm just giving you a hard time. No, I know. So we I are looking forward to that. Um, <clears throat> so week three, we talked. Um, that's that's this week. We talked a lot about the under the hood. Now that we've got some of the intangibles built, how the tangibles are carried out. Dan and Chad joined. We know that we have a good system in place. I want to co-sign second everything that was said about Dan and Chad and their basically their help in developing our brand and our focal point, our pinpoint, if you will, the ballpoint pen on the paper is that customer getting their product. So something interesting about this year um, is which I think we'll go over in week four is the growth of the wholesale side of our business. Um, Jared Brown is our wholesale manager. He's been instrumental in getting our products to other retailers to sell in their stores. Chad, of course, is responsible for palleting those and shipping them. Daniel's responsible for handling all the inventory on those. So I think it'd be really important to bring Jared Brown in. Um, let's get his backstory Let's get his involvement in the brand and how he solicits 
um, new stores and et cetera moving forward. So um, I believe that'll be week number four in building a niche brand like the Bearded Butchers and taking our products to the public on an e-commerce platform and around the world. Agreed. Dan, Chad, thanks for joining us. Thank thanks you. for all your hard work inside the brand. We're better for it. Appreciate you thanks being a part of the team. Listening. I won't I won't hold it against you guys that you're redheads, but I know. I, that's one of the biggest things I, feel I want way to find out. Here. Spencer's about 50-50. He's his beard's red and black. We do have souls. You do have souls. <laughs> Ginger souls matter. Yes. Um, so yes, right beard color, right hair color. Good fit for the brand. Appreciate you listening. We will see you next time right here on the Bearded Butchers podcast. See you, everybody.